if you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com. 
Co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bash for Clues. And today we have a very special guest. Someone who you're going to love. Someone who was a former Miss Virginia Teen USA. A former Miss Virginia USA. A former Disney princess at Tokyo Disneyland. A practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And the last player standing in the historic season 26 of The Bachelor. Please welcome Susie Evans. Wow, thank you so I mean, you were really going back. Miss Virginia Teen, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Had to make sure that we got it all correct, all of the information correct. Teen and adult, that's prolific. You were in season 26, but what got you to season 26? When did you first watch The Bachelor or what kind of reality TV did you watch growing up? I didn't really watch reality TV growing up. Um, my first exposure to The Bachelor was when I was living in Tokyo and my friend Julie Harsh, she would do Bachelor nights every Tuesday because I guess we were, you know, and the, with the time difference and I guess maybe they had on Hulu then, I don't actually know. Um, but she would host them and she would do wine and everybody would bring food. And I would, I only came to one Bachelor night, but I came and I brought my camera and I made a video about watching The Bachelor and it's actually still on YouTube. It's really like dramatic and it was uh jojo it was bachelorette it was jojo season <laughs> yeah Ooh. and i think that's the only episode i ever watched mm-hmm. until i moved home from japan and my, my best friends like everybody in japan was like Susie, you should go on the bachelor like you'd be amazing and i was like absolutely not i would literally never it's so toxic like i remember just having this mentality about it where i was like i would never do that like i'm so not that girl. And then my friends in Virginia also had been watching it for years. And I guess it just wasn't ever my thing. And they were like, no, you literally would be amazing. Like you would thrive in this environment. And I was like, I don't know. And it was uh, Colton season was coming up. And I guess like the impression of Colton, like going into a scene is that he was real wholesome and a real nice guy. And, um, I was like, I remember just thinking Mm -hmm. like, I was actually like a really nice, genuine person. And I was like, well, I mean, sure. Like I was in Japan for two years. My dating history was real boring. I pretty much was just randomly going on hinge dates and trying to use Google Translate to date. So I was like, why not? And so (laughs) my friends and I, um, they filled out like a (laughs) snail mail application, like printed it and hand wrote it. They printed pictures of me. Yeah. They printed pictures of me like oh, wow. doing jujitsu wow. in Japan and they sent it in the mail and I never heard anything. And I got into a relationship that year with that same friend that nominated me, Lauren. Um, there was a couple of them, but Lauren introduced me to a guy. And then a year later, I heard from The Bachelor and they're like, hey, your friends like sent in an application, but we'd already casted. We held on to it. We wanted to see if you're still single. And I was like, actually, I'm not. But I was like, you guys are interested in me? 
Like I was suddenly so flattered that the show had reached out and I, I couldn't believe it because I just thought, oh, like, you know, they got my application. Obviously they didn't want to pursue me. Um, and then things didn't work out with that guy. They contacted me the next year and I considered it, but I was going to Miss USA and, um, I just wanted to be like fully invested in that. And I wanted to pursue that dream. So I like talked with them. I submitted pictures and videos and stuff. And then, um, as Miss USA got closer, I just told them, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. Like, I think there's, it's going to be an overlap and I'm kind of like hyper-focused on this. And my dad had gotten sick that year. So didn't work out. And then the next year they contacted me again. I had just been cheated on and I was like, let's go. I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Wow. So did you have a lot of like knowledge about how the show worked when you went in then? Mm, I think I did. Um, Did any of the pageant people look at The Bachelor a certain way? Was it looked down upon? Was it were people trying to get on The Bachelor from the pageant world? I remember my friend Charlotte. She was Miss West Virginia. We were really close. And I told her that The Bachelor had contacted me. And she was like, don't do it. Don't do it. She was like, it's such a cop out. Like so many girls come from Miss USA and then go to The Bachelor. And I was like, well, they've been in my DMs for a couple of years now. I was like, they contacted me before Miss USA did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've been into me from day one. (laughs) It's a long-term relationship. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this is a little... A fun little thing we have going here. So did you know, going into it, did you know anything about like the structure of how the game of it worked? Certainly not. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you mean game as in like how to succeed at The Bachelor. Is that what you mean? Yeah, how to succeed and what the different phases of it are. Like that there would be a night one and then you, the, a third of the players would get kicked out and then you go into the regular season. Then you go into the hometowns and and uh, fantasy suites, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I definitely knew the stages of it. But I think everyone did. Like everyone mm. knows there's a night one and everyone's just like, oh my God, I just want to get through night one. Like, please let me make it through. And then, and yeah. yeah, I definitely knew there was hometowns, fantasy suites. We didn't know if there would be travel because we were just coming out of like COVID time. Mm. Right. So you know, that would be included. Um, but it was. So that was also an element, which I hadn't seen. No, Colton season did have traveled. Or that was the first season I ever watched like fully through. So when you get on the show, I have to ask this question because it's something that Bachelor Clues was theorizing for uh-huh. a long time. <laughs> They've been, they had been contacting you for years. You were a, a big get. Were you sequestered away in your own tower at any point during Clayton's season? Sequestered away in my own tower. What does that mean? <laughs> Like, uh, like you weren't staying with the rest of the other people on the show. Basically, I had a theory because you were, you were at least in the edit. It was presented that you weren't around some of the big dramatic moments that were happening. And so I kind of came up with this theory that the producers were like protecting you from certain things because they had developed a, a deep run for you in the season. Called the Evans Chamber. The Evans Chamber. I think I locked myself away in that chamber. But um, no, I don't think <laughs> the, the producers protected me from it. <laughs> I think that I remember people being so mad at at girls for stupid stuff. 
And I think I was kind of a diffuser. So if anything, I think I would talk rationally to people. And so if anything, that protected me because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if it's, if you're passionate about it, then sure you can bring it up with that person. But if it's something that you can just like let go of, then I wouldn't bother. Like that's how I approach things in life. And so maybe producers don't want that advice going around the house. So maybe, but I also think that I remember like after one of the, I think it was the first group date, there was drama on night one of the first group date. And I was getting snacks in the kitchen and all the girls are talking on the couch. And I literally, they had these massive bowls of like, um, M&Ms and pretzels and I could hear like stuff happening in the living room and so I'm just like trying to be as quiet as I can like pop open the lid and like get my hand in the M&Ms and then I like pull the M&Ms out and then I slowly start walking over and I see everybody's like mad on the couch I think it was something to do with Sierra I forget or I think it was Sierra and Cassidy might have had drama and so I'm just like eating my M&Ms watching this all unfold And then everything kind of explodes and I walk out and I see Cassidy and I don't know who's starting the drama. And she's like, do you want to go talk? And I'm like, yeah. And so we went and chatted and I was like getting all the tea from her. But again, I was using the situation. I was like, just giving really, in my opinion, really rational advice. So I don't think I remember that first conversation with her. And I remember being like, Ooh, this is tea. And I just also remember being like, I don't want to be like, categorized as like her buddy because I felt because you could tell she was going to get a villain at it yeah oh yeah I could tell that she was well I think what was happening was she was getting worked up over stuff that was happening and I was like in my mind I'm like if that were me I would have just like let that go and so I was just trying to give rational advice and then get out of the situation yeah they they lock away the diffusers it it turns out yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the are in the kitchen their M&Ms. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, was you at one point when you are in, where is it, Prague? You end up in the clock tower with Clayton. Was this your idea to like set up this romantic meetup? How did you come up with that? It was definitely my idea that I wanted to express my feelings to Clayton because I felt I hadn't had the opportunity to fully get like good one-on-one time. And so the conversations around that were like, oh, I just feel like I haven't been able to express myself and I haven't had the proper time to share my feelings and reassure him that I'm on the same page as him. And like, I hope he he knows how much I care about him. So I would say those conversations were happening. Uh, yeah. With producers, you mean? Yeah. I definitely want to be like, I don't know how much I'm allowed to like talk about everything. So. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think everybody knows that th- dates like that where you don't get a one-on-one or you don't get time at the after party, but you get a thing that's like a one-on-one. I think everybody knows that doesn't happen without producers. Knock-knocks don't happen without producers. Steals don't happen without producers. Group date roses don't yeah. happen without producers. I just wonder how much it's like the people's idea or not. And like, maybe it used to be people's ideas to do it. And now it's kind of something they put into it. Just curious. I think my best way to probably describe that situation would be 
I was in a scenario where I was like, oh, I don't know that I'm, I've communicated my feelings and I'm worried that I might go home. Like maybe I, I'm getting kind of like lost in the pack because I haven't been as intentional with my time or like there was like a several periods I didn't really air, but for several, several weeks where we were kind of like stuck on this one topic of like, um, how you react in the face of adversity. And I kept trying to ask this question and it kept getting lost in translation with Clayton. And so I felt like we kept wasting so much time because you get so little time. Mm. It was right around that time where I was like, I just don't know if like he knows how I feel about him. So of course, like I didn't have the key to the clock tower, but (laughs) (laughs) I was able to make that happen with the help of some friends, you know? Right. But these, okay, we'll call them friends. So these friends, do the other uh, women that are in the house with you, when these friends say, oh, we're going to go into the clock tower and those friends don't allow any of the other women to go in the clock tower, are there open conversations among all of the other women there about how friends will help some people but not help other people? There are, yeah. I would say there were several times when girls were like wanting to go home or they were feeling um, just like not good and and about being there. And I think it's because they felt like they didn't mm-hmm. receive help or they didn't receive um, guidance and stuff. But I also yeah. felt like that. Like, I know, I remember seeing, because if, again, not trying to share, like overshare too much or like dissolve the illusion of the romance, but like anything that happens on the show, like if you have a prop or something, somebody has to go get that for you. Like we don't have access to our phones or Instacart or, you know, task grab it somebody can go like pick something up for you so (laughs) in theory um we all have to have help in order to make anything happen so anything that you see happen has been kind of arranged by a friend (laughs) (laughs) i love friends i'm gonna use that forever now the friends yeah (laughs) by our friends yeah exactly (laughs) and so i think that some people i remember feeling like hearing about all these things that were happening and i was like I was like, nobody's helping me. And I would come up with all these ideas and all these funny, quirky things that I was like, oh, this would be so cute or it would be such a fun idea. And then nobody would help me. And so I remember mm. feeling like that as well, at, at times as well. Um, and so I think everyone kind of goes through that, but certainly I'm sure other some people felt very much like they didn't receive any help. I think I would feel that based on like what dates I'm on to. I would be like, yeah. oh, I'm on the football group date. I have no friends. <laughs> my friends are my enemies. <laughs> yeah. My friends are real assholes. I know in, in some seasons on the football group date, that's a, a tried and true group date. They do it in a lot of different seasons. In some seasons, players have gotten concussed and taken to the hospital and your friends have disappeared that from the edit and tried to keep that story quiet. They've, in some cases, uh, players have had to get surgery to repair injuries and friends disappear that. Did anybody on your football group date get severely injured? Not that I know of. Um, I will say I felt so freaking bad. I, no, not that I, to answer your question, not that I know of, I don't think anybody got severely hurt or concussed. I know Eliza lost a nail and then we found <laughs> okay, it. That's not yeah. so bad. We found it. They found yeah, it. At the end of the oh, game. Wow. I think Clayton found it. And he was like, whose nail is this? And she was like, oh, that's mine. Um, it's like Cinderella. <laughs> it was kind of ironic. Yeah, it was amazing. I was like, how did you find her nail so randomly? But um, 
I will say going into the football date, I remember being like, like I do jujitsu and we practice tackles and takedowns and all these things. But like, if you don't know how to fall in jujitsu, you can literally like, if you throw somebody, people can tear their own ACLs from throwing somebody. People can, you can hurt people so bad, so unintentionally. It's truly so dangerous. And if you don't know how to fall, or if you don't know how to take um, a throw or a hit, it's truly dangerous. Like that's one of the first things you learn to do is fall. And so I remember going into the date and being like, I know how to properly tackle somebody and not hurt them. But if they don't know how to fall or take a hit, it's still super, super dangerous. And so I was, I don't think I was aggressive at all, especially because I'm a bigger girl compared to most of the girls on the show. Like I'm five foot eight and like strong. So a lot of these girls are like five, two, it's, it should be illegal. Like I shouldn't be on the same. Like, <laughs> it should be illegal. Truly. They're five, two, and they have giant nails. They're yeah. not meant for this. Yeah. And I'm being like really, really uneager to tackle anybody, but I have absolutely no skills to catch a ball. So I was like, I'm pretty helpless out here. And the one tackle I did, it was Hunter. And I, and I think there were like three of us that took her down. And I feel like I thought she was actually hurt really bad. And I remember being like, this is why I didn't want to tackle anybody. Like I felt so bad. Like I was afraid I was going to lose my friendship with her. Cause I was like, she was like truly hurt from it, but not enough to go to the hospital, but I just felt so bad. She was like walking like this for three days. It was so bad. I mean, I've never played tackle football. I don't think I would know how to fall or tackle anyone or catch. I think I could throw. I would be Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie Pace, the Tom Brady of The Bachelor. So you, <laughs> you get through all these harrowing situations. You also get the pretty woman date, which you talked about on, I believe she's all batch kind of what that was about with the H and M clothes being like pushed into the, the thing and, and passed off as designer clothing. Oh my God. That was so funny. Which like, I don't, I, that was like such a big deal that that came out. And I'm like, I didn't even realize that was a big deal. Like I, that was just my reality. And honestly, I love H and M. So I was like, woo, like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's not like I'm handpicking and trying on all these things. So it's like, you do get a ton of stuff, which so grateful. Like, I don't want anyone to be like, she's an ungrateful little bitch. <laughs> like, honestly, I realized how that came off when I, afterwards. So I'm like, I, I love H&M. Like, New episode title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely, it was still really cool. Yeah. But I also, yeah, I think a lot of people, people ask me to this day, did you get to keep all the dresses? And I'm like, no, like I got... I got a dress. Yeah. I got a blue dress. And then that red one we gave back. It was like a designer gown. So, yeah. I liked it. I like. I loved that little insight because we've seen Pretty Woman dates, you know, since season one we've seen them. So it's like, it's just such a big part of the game. And I didn't, I guess I never yeah. really thought through where the clothes were from. I assumed that they would at least be all your size. <laughs> but <laughs> you left right before this infamous rose ceremony from hell. How do you think, why, why do you think Clayton chose to do this rose ceremony from hell? Do you think it's like, do you think he had some friends around maybe telling him he should do it? Maybe friendships, you know, hard to say. I think I, if I had to guess, I don't know. Well, I do, but if I had to guess, my 
theory would be that Clayton, maybe he, maybe he had guidance. I actually don't know exactly, but I'm, I'm trying to think back and I'm like, I know Clayton's heart. And I'm like, I know he was trying to do the right thing. And sometimes when you do the right thing, it comes out all jumbled up and you just make a big mess of everything else. And like, he, I know he was trying to do the right thing and it just backfired completely. It wasn't well thought out. And even if say it was his idea or it wasn't his idea, I genuinely don't know. He should have taken action and been, and fought for it to be different. Like, and I think he sees that now and he's like, regardless of whose idea it was, he should have been like, I need to go have a conversation with these people individually. But when you're there and especially someone like who's never seen the show, he has no clue how this works. He has no clue that you can go to somebody's room and, you know, knock, knock on their door. Like he doesn't, we don't fully have access to make those decisions. So of course, now with hindsight, he probably would go back and be like, I need to have an individual conversation and go be in private with these people and have this conversation or as private as you can be. Um, But I know he was trying to do the right thing and it just came out really messy. I mean, yeah, I think when you're in that position, it's hard to uh, see all the situations objectively sometimes like for sure, because you don't have your your support systems with you. And even if you make the right choices, if you do the best possible thing you can in that situation, your friends still get together and edit it whatever way they want and then put it out to make you look however they want. Um, Speaking of your friends, Mm -hmm. at this point, you have, in quotes, left the show. You have said, I'm out of here. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yet we know you come back in the end. So what do your friends do in that part of the, the timeline where you're supposedly gone, but you're not really gone? Are your friends saying like, well, just stick around, have a fun vacation for a week and we'll see what happens. (laughs) No, I don't think there was any intention of me coming back on. I think the whole point of me being in Iceland, well, at least from what I understood was so that the ending wouldn't be spoiled. And I, and I actually Mm. understood that. Like Mm. they explained that to me. They were like, there's people on the lookout for when people are coming home, when you get your phone back, when you get social media back, like people were... And, and it's so true. And I even see it now. People are like, oh, I see so-and-so is like active. And I'm like, how are people paying attention to this? Like, I have, I literally don't understand. They see everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it blew my mind. And so I, when they explained that to me, I was like, I totally get it. Like, I'm a very big acceptor of my fate in the sense that like, if I can't do anything to change it, I'm not going to complain or be a big baby about it. And I understood the concept where I was like, okay, you don't want this to get spoiled. I've agreed to come on a show and I've signed this NDA. I've agreed to be a part of this experience. I'll sit here and build gingerbread houses and go crazy in this like <laughs> for the next three days. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean I want to see that footage. <laughs> in terms of I, them, in terms of uh, your friends telling you that specifically, I mean, every season is always spoiled because there are some friends who spoil it they leak that information to people like reality Steve and whatever every season. So I don't know how honest your friends were uh, with, with that specifically, but it's interesting that they use that as kind of the reason to keep you there in the, in the end though, you get to a point where they get you back. They somehow tell you whatever they need to tell you to get you back, to come to this final rose ceremony. And you're faced with this unimaginable moment where you actually reject the final rose. What was going through your head at that moment? Why did you turn down the final rose? 
and and how did you perceive that that might be edited? It sounds so dumb, but when I talked with and talked with Clayton, um, I was under the impression that everybody else had already left. Um, I actually didn't know that the other girls were still there, and I think that had to happen because of mm. I think that was like a production thing where it was like he wanted to go talk with the other women and then talk with me after. But I think because of like the way things were booked, like his parents were only there for one more day. It was like this whole, like it had to be done this way. So I was under the impression that the other girls had already left. And, um, which was like, oh shit. Like I was like, well, damn. Because I remember thinking, I was like, why are you doing this? I remember being like, you literally have two people that want to be with you. I don't want to be here anymore. Why are you trying to force me to be with you? Is how I felt. And um, I also felt like at that time, I didn't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust Clayton. I didn't trust my friends. I didn't trust anybody mm -hmm. in my proximity. And from that <laughs> point on, I was completely shut down. And I think that <laughs> something that people misconstrue about me constantly is because I'm very friendly, very loving and open. And I'll, I'll share a lot and I will talk openly and friendly with everybody. And people think that I trust them. And even at that point, I was like, I don't trust a single mf -er in this building, including Clinton. I didn't trust anybody. And I was like, I got to get the hell out of Iceland. And I was like, I just want my passport and my phone and in my gingerbread cookie house. And it's coming with me. And I'll mark it on my, my form if I need to. <laughs> like I was so... Just like anything I could say to get out of there was where I was at. I was still very friendly with producers. We were having good times. Uh, actually, I was crying most every day. Um, but like still um, in, in between crying and just being like totally. I remember thinking I was like, I'm going to be the biggest villain of Bachelor Nation. I remember and accidentally like I didn't mean to do any of this. And I as it all happened, I was like, holy crap, I just became the biggest villain and people are going to hate me for this. Like I felt so bad. I, I was so. Yeah, no one had ever done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're saying that you, you felt like you're going to become the villain too. What was your understanding at that point of what a villain was and how they were treated in Bachelor Nation? Like, were you aware of Brendan Marais and Piper James and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had seen their episode of paradise. Like I had seen that. Um, I didn't think that I would be portrayed that way. Well, maybe I did after the fight with Clayton. I don't know. But I just know that after that fight with Clayton, it kind of occurred to me because I went into that week very chill. I know it got portrayed as I was as if I was freaking out. But of course, I got to points where I was exhausted and tired and emotional. And I'm sitting here talking and talking and talking on repeat about this. And so, of course, those clips are the ones that make television. But for the most part, I was chilling that whole week because my mentality was like, I don't give a crap, like what happens behind closed doors. Um, but like, I don't have to go home and bring this relationship home with me. Like I'm, and that's how I am in the real world too. Like I am so, I'm never going to like yell at somebody 
or be mad at somebody or like, I I don't know. I'm just so detached from something until if somebody's in a committed relationship with me, then I have these like expectations. And obviously I would be furious if somebody like cheated on me or stepped outside of our relationship, like that would be infuriating. But in this scenario, I thought his every reason or every ability to explore this, however he needs to, but I don't have to like want to go home and like take this relationship home with me. And I think that I am maybe not, I'm certainly not old fashioned. Like I think everyone can know, I can recognize I'm kind of like wild and a little bit like inappropriate, but when it comes to relationships, I'm like, I 100% would expect my person that's going to spend the rest of their life with me to know that I'm the type of person that you wouldn't risk losing. And I just also think that my, my belief and Mm -hmm. my um, relationship with intimacy is different than Clayton's was. And like, I don't see that as a reason to be mad at him for exploring. Like I was never mad at him, but I just was like, but like, I would expect my person to know, like, if you're sitting here telling me you are literally in love with me, I don't know. I I think it's just a total mind F and everyone handles it differently. And I just didn't expect it to be that big of a deal. I'm like, if it was not, if it was not a big deal to be like intimate with multiple people, to be in love with multiple people, then it's not a big deal for me to walk away either. Cause you got two other people you're in love with. Like that's my mentality on it. I'm not going to take it seriously until mm-hmm. you take me seriously. And that's how I am in the real world. Like I'm so detached and it doesn't mean it's not painful or like doesn't hurt my feelings or my ego, but I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I don't take anyone serious until they prove themselves like as a serious contender for my heart and my love. So is there another chapter of this story? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. Just uh, just joking around. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get into some social media, not the social media that has been going on this week, but some social media that happened uh, pretty much immediately after you came off the show. You and Clayton, despite uh, saying you don't want the final rose, you wind up together and you start making some social media together, some of which were pizza reviews. Now, I have to ask this. uh, How much were you influenced by Game of Roses to do those pizza reviews? (laughs) I think it was like all Clayton and he totally embraced it. I think at first he was like, I think at first he was like, they're trolling me. And then it was like, just lean in. Like that's my motto. Just lean in. If someone's going to troll me, I'm going to lean in and eat that up. It literally wasn't (laughs) trolling at all. We thought he would be great at doing hilarious pizza reviews. And indeed he was. I loved all of his pizza reviews. Very earnestly, unironically. I think he was born Mm -hmm. to do it. He checks out. He loves pizza. Every Friday he gets pizza no matter what. I mean, that's a good routine. I can't be mad at that. It's beautiful. Oh, that makes my heart warm. I had pizza before this interview to prepare. <laughs> she literally did. I watched her eat it. I watched her eat it. Thank you for confirming. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. 
From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off-season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quince, King Quinces, Okay, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. 
joking. Uh, I almost accidentally dropped some to my dog and that would have been his first pizza and that would have been bad. <laughs> um, what? Okay, this is something that, that Tad and I are always kind of debating is, and you might have a different view of it than we do, but what percentage of the Bachelor audience do you think thinks that everything that they're seeing is real and like these are all real relationships, uh, et cetera. And what percentage do you think realize that a lot of the drama is done in editing and um, friend practices and stuff? I actually don't know if I could give you an accurate percentage, but I would say, I, I actually don't know, but 70% of people at least are very passionate about what they see on television. I mean, the amount of messages I got that were just literally disgusting after the finale, ripping me, ripping Clayton, saying the most horrific, like just like literally disgusting things. And in reality, I'm like, I understand that people were really passionate and they felt really sad about the way it like things happened with Gabby and Rachel. I totally understand that. And it was really hard to watch. Like I was like, this is really, really painful, but I could not believe like it was an astronomic amount of people that felt so passionate about it that they needed to send me just literally horrific messages. Um, I would have to say like at least 70% of people watching feel passionate about what they see. I don't know if, I think every, most people know to an extent that there's some editing and like storylining done, but, um, it, I've realized that people take a lot of things very literally, even when I post on social media, people get so upset about the most ridiculous things. And honestly, I just live for it. And I'm like, I'm a troll. If I'm a troll, a but troll. I only troll trolls. Like I would, I, I'm the sweetest troll. I troll people in the nicest. I right. see kind grandpa videos and I just tell them how much I love them. And I donate to people that find people online and are like, let's start a fundraiser. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the first Aww. person to Venmo. But if you troll me, you are going to catch the wrath. <laughs> how do you do this? How do you do this mentally? I have probably received... 0.0001% of it. And I'm like, nope, can't check my DMs anymore. <laughs> I think I'm just sick in the head. I'm probably just... No, yeah. I get it. I'm with you. <laughs> I enjoy it as well. I thoroughly do. I know. You guys are on that category. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, speaking of uh, getting this trolling, I have two questions. First, and this is just a short one. Um, do your friends prepare you for what is going to happen to you on social media after this experience? Mm, I don't think so. I thought you met my real friends at first. And I was like, I was like, I was also like, no, but then I realized what you're saying and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. like, no, they signed me up. <laughs> um, okay. I, I was just curious if there's any conversations like that. But my next question is this. How did you feel when you were watching the limo exits of Bachelor at 19 and you see the Clayton Sucks uh, song being sung? When you're seeing that, obviously they're trolling Clayton to yeah. a lesser extent, trolling you because you're now in a relationship with him. And when you're watching that, you know this was an idea of your friends. Do you have a specific idea of which friend? Bennett Grabner, maybe? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I have no idea who, like, genuinely, I have no clue where that comes from or like who that stems from. 
I, I, I couldn't tell you like whose final call that was because I'm sure, I don't know. I have no idea, but I know that I could give two shits if people had stuff to say about me because I'm so secure in my character. I know I'm a loving, kind person that would literally do anything for a literal stranger. Like I love human beings and I, I care for people. And so I feel secure in who I am. And if somebody wanted to attack my character, although it is, it, it is, it's easier said than done. I think that to see the person I care about and I'm now in a relationship with and that I love and I I know his story, I know his heart, I know how genuine he was. And to see him go through that after it was just like such a painful experience for Clayton. And in all honesty, like I give him so much credit because he could be the most bitter, sour person. And there was a time when he was, And I obviously just saw him this weekend and he is so at peace and he is so Zen and accepting of everything that happened. And I look at that and I'm like, this, this major like television network show literally sent people out of a limo to make fun of him and to talk about how much he sucks and to literally poke fun at who he is in his character. And he's like, just like so okay. And I'm like, that could have really effed somebody up in the head. And for a minute it did. And I remember we were actually at a staycation in Virginia beach at the Cavalier hotel. It's like this beautiful hotel. It's historic. It's my, one of my favorite places in Virginia beach. And they happened to just invite us out for a weekend retreat there. And it happened to be that weekend. We were excited to like watch the show, whatever. And we had kind of caught wind that that was going to happen And I remember being like, oh, it's on. I was like, watch my TikTok pop off. I was like, you will not troll my man and get away with it without hearing a little something from me. Like I was so ready. And it's so sad because like, like, I don't think I would do that for myself, but because it was somebody I loved Mm -hmm. and somebody I had seen go through all this pain and like literal, like just sadness from it. I was like, Oh, like I am not letting this happen. Like we don't just sit back and watch, like we're going to participate. Like that's where like the sick O in my head is like, what can we do? Like you aren't going to, I absolutely loved what you did. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the robe TikTok? The robe, the keep my wife oh. came out of your mouth. Like all it was so good. I honestly think you're one of the best social media people that we've ever seen. I agree. I believe we gave that our, yeah. our parasocial play of the, the week that week. It was outstanding because yeah. you also very rarely see players stand up to their friends uh, in this scenario. Very usually, I think most players are like afraid to to even go there because they threaten you with cease and desist and lawsuits and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it though. I did too. So funny. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, what can you do? You don't mm-hmm. have as big of a platform. They're blasting this on ABC, but I loved it. Um on She's All Batch, you said that the guys from Bachelorette season 19 called Clayton to let him know that these limo exits were coming. 
Why do you think that they wanted to villainize Clayton? Well, I think to an extent, this kind of happens every year. Like, specifically The Bachelorette coming off of a Bachelor season. And I I just, I don't think it's like completely out of the norm for the previous Bachelor to get a little bit of like, people kind of poke fun at that person um, to an extent, you know, I think, I think that that tends to happen. Um, it doesn't seem to happen as yeah. much like with the bachelorette, you know, like when a bachelor gets plucked from a bachelorette season, I mean, at least from what I've seen the past couple of years, we, we went back and looked at this because when Clayton's or when bachelor 19 started airing, we were like, is this normal? Yeah. Cause it seemed like way out of the norm to us. It seemed really, yeah. And it definitely was. The two other big villain bachelors were season 18, one Pablo Galavis, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ari Leyendyke, season 22. And they were barely mentioned in the night one of the next incoming bachelorette. Barely mentioned. Yeah, there was like a soccer reference. Yeah. Versus like multiple. Clayton really got it way worse than, than normal. Multiple of these, but... That's what, I mean, I obviously haven't been watching that long to know. I know that like sometimes there's like a little poking fun at the previous person. So like that, that checks out. But I remember thinking if I just, yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, this seems really intense yeah. for, for what happened. And my personal belief on all of this, I think going through this experience specifically from my perspective starting from day one, when I sat down with Cassidy and I saw everything unfolding and I was like, oh, she's kind of like, like getting worked up about this situation. I think what I realized is I'm like, these are all real human reactions and interactions that happen on the day to day. And like, I know for a fact, I've been a villain in someone's mind in the real world. And I know for a fact, there's amazing, good people that are presented. And I, I was given a, a decent edit, you know, up until then, not to say that my edit was anything out of the ordinary at the end. It was, it, it's what happened, but you know, the whole season I had, I didn't have anything crazy presented about me. Um, but I know like I've said shitty things in my life and I've handled breakups poorly and that's just human nature. And the fact that we get like as reality people, we present that to the world and we open ourselves up to, um, you know, judgment and all of that. If if everybody were to have a lens, like following them around, like we would all be villains, like we would all be canceled. We would all be called gaslighters or, you know, egotistical or whatever. Like we've all done such shitty things in our lives. And I say that like in about myself even acknowledging that I think I'm actually a pretty good person and I'm very kind to people and I'm kind to all my exes. Like I say that and I still can recognize like I've done shitty things in my life and you, we can't handle things perfectly. So I just think like the villainization of people in general is so toxic because I'm like, these are real humans. These are real interactions. And when somebody does something shitty on television, like it's probably because they're socially unaware of the fact that that's a shitty thing. So like, and we have to give people the space to grow. And I don't know, I feel passionate about it because I saw what it can do to people. And especially somebody like Clayton, who's a good guy. And it's like, I think we're lucky that 
he's as healthy as he is today based on everything that happened. I to agree. Him. It's great to to hear what you're saying that he's like zen out and over all this shit. Cause I mean, he was yeah. one of, one of the bachelors, one of the leads that I have felt kind of the most empathy for in all of this. And we've seen all these seasons and everything. I just felt so fucking yeah. bad for him. Cause I had never seen them do anything like that to a lead. Yeah. Um, do you think, you know, you're, you're talking about like people who go on reality TV, they open themselves up and the, what we call the fourth audience, us watching the shows, come at you on DMs and all this kind of stuff. Do you think the producers, aka your friends, have any responsibility in how they're presenting this material to try and curb some of that? Because it almost seems like they present it in a way that exacerbates it. Certainly they did with Clayton. I would love for them to have that responsibility and to take on that responsibility, but I actually don't think that they do. I think um, it's unfortunate, but I think what will come from that is like, we're on, we're swinging on that like totem pole. And like, right now we're at this really toxic end of it in reality television, because social media is making every day, the fourth wall, whatever humans accessible to those of us that open ourselves up to that. And that's like a pretty new recent thing in the last, you know, seven years or whatever, 10 years. And we're still learning how to handle that as a society. And so like, although I don't want to sit here and say like, oh, like producers have a responsibility. I, I do think, I, I think that's a really great moral question and I haven't thought on it. So I don't know that I want to say that they don't have a responsibility to, but I think that I signed up on the show knowing that they wouldn't. Like that was my understanding when I went on the show and I was really, really cautious. And I, like I told you guys, I, present myself as very loving and I am, and I'm, and I present myself as trusting, but the whole time I was there, I didn't trust anybody, especially at the end when everything kind of happened. And I realized like, oh, I did trust too much. Um, so I feel like that, that loving kindness plus the wherewithal to see what's going on is why I think we thought you would be the next bachelorette just looking at your Instagram. Aww. Cause it's like, you need to have that mental toughness and the ability to like be sweet to people and likable, et cetera. Thanks. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I, I do think that, yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a really tough balance. And I don't know, I think I would love to see reality TV producers take more responsibility for how they portray people and how they edit people because of the access to the internet people have to us. And it's, it truly is so damaging to, to mental health and to, uh, you know, your ability to get a job and, and have a successful, peaceful life after the show. Um, it's so like integrated now. So I would love to see them take more responsibility, but I guess I don't know that, I don't know that it, ever necessarily will. I, I think it will. I think it's changing right now. There's a huge conversation happening about mental health in reality TV, led largely by uh, Jeremy Hartwell and Nick Thompson from Love is Blind Season 2. They started that UCAN Foundation. And obviously there are people like Nick Vial saying, screw them. He doesn't want any of this to change. He wants it to be the same Machiavellian kind of psychological torture chamber that it's always been. But I think they are going to make progress. And I think that we are going to see some form of accountability take place on the producer's end, hopefully soon, hopefully in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, that, that would be great. And I also think that 
like my personal belief is like the way everything is changing, whether it's like the influencer market, Instagram, uh, reality TV, the longevity of reality TV, um, you know, fandom and stardom or whatever you want to call it. I think that they're going to be forced to change because I, I actually think that the mentality of some of the producers um, might have been like, oh, these people are going to be huge. They're going to make so much money. They're going to come off the show and they're going to be set for life. And I, I really think that they, it gives, it gave people permission yeah. for a long time to do these things and think you're going to be fine. Like you're going to make so much money. And that's, that's not the case. Yeah. I'm going to make you a star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I get, and I think that's like such an old school, like effed up, like Hollywood mentality. Um, and I think, I do think that's going to change because people are like going to see what the reality is now. And it's like, I'm not exploiting myself for pennies, buddy. Like you're not going to ruin my life. And then I have to like go back to my nine to five and everyone hates me in the world and can access in my DMs. But I have to go back to my marketing job. Like, no way. Like that's, it's, that's why I think we're on that edge. So I think maybe, well, not maybe, I hope you're right that it'll swing back because I think that it's just, it's going to become a more normal thing. People are, everyone's accessible to everyone. So like nobody is a celebrity in that case. And and I think that's good when yeah. everyone can be connected and you can see what people are up to and see what people are doing with their life. It's like, it eliminates the celebrity factor of it. And I think that's a good thing, but I think that's going to require better treatment for people to willingly sign up and do it. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in... Um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at 
uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. <laughs> Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with first leaf go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box that's t-r-y-f-i-r-s-t-l-e-a-f.com slash roses tryfirstleaf.com slash roses uh yeah totally agree if you could change anything about the bachelor bachelorette what would what would you do <laughs> How do you think it could be a better show? I think I would. Well, I say this with love for my friends, but I would just fuck them and eliminate like any access they have to Mm -hmm. us. I personally think it would be so interesting. It's like go back to kind of the old school real world vibes. I never really got into reality. Yeah, docu style. Yeah, I remember when there was just like I I I remember um, was it Jersey Shore? I have no idea. Like where they would just have cameras in the house. And people would just be filming. And maybe this is me being ignorant. Like, I'm sure there are producers then too. Actually, I'm sure I'm just being ignorant. But in my brain, I'm like, that was so less produced. And it was like really raw. And certainly there are producers. You have to have producers. And I think producers, they're good at their job. And I think there's certainly a way to utilize them. But I would just be like, be more hands-off because people are crazy. Let us be crazy. Yes, exactly. They've signed up for The Bachelor. <laughs> Literally, we don't need anybody to teach us to be crazy. Like, we are all a little bit sick in the head. And, you know, I just say, let it let people be. I also think the fandom now, I mean, ourselves included, like, we understand the format and the game and the how the producers make the show and all of that so well. What I really want to get 
now in the show is the experience of somebody in the show. I want it almost to be like a docu-series about what is it like to be on The Bachelor, not the show. Show me what it's like to be on the show. I think that show is a much more entertaining show for the audience. And I think it's it's at least like new enough. You, you're still doing all the same things. So in terms of logistics, you have to change nothing. You still have a night one and everybody's in the house and you're traveling and you're doing all the same stuff. You're just shooting it slightly differently from the perspective of the people in it instead of from the perspective of the producers who are manipulating the whole thing. I personally, I would love to see yeah. that version of it, you know, I feel like the hands off thing, like then you actually get to know the people and then you're going to root for their season. I'm like, I feel like we barely saw charity. I would love to know more about her. What's her job, et cetera. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope it's going to be a great season. I hope we get to see more of who the people actually are. And I feel like at this point, the friends are working so hard that people are terrified. Like you were talking about Cassidy being like spiraling and it's just a really tense environment when you're like that out of control of how you're going to be portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. I think like my suggestion to producers and to people that watch the show is like, stop trying to mm -hmm. like cancel people and cancel is probably not the right word, but stop trying to like shit on people for just being people. Like if you want us to sign up and have an authentic organic experience, then don't come into our DMs and tell us horrible stuff because that's why people are scared to be authentic on television. And I, like myself included, I 100% protected myself on the show. And there were absolutely times that I stood up for what I believed was right. And I was like, people are gonna be so pissed at me right now for doing this. A lot of it didn't make make, uh, you know, the final edit or whatever, but I was like, I don't give a shit. Like I, this is wrong. And I'm going to say that. And, um, I think people are afraid to do that because the internet is so cruel right now and people are so harsh. And I think probably like to your point, as you were saying earlier, producers, if they took more responsibility in how they portrayed people, and maybe it's not even producers at the producing level, but how things are edited and portrayed in post-production, which is also really important. I think people forget, like, you know, producers are on the ground, but there's also people editing and producing behind the scenes in post-production. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think that there's a, a more positive and like healthy way to, to be doing reality television um, in a way that can like spark and, uh, I don't know, like encourage a more organic experience because I personally feel like watching yeah. this last season, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so rinse and repeat. Totally. I mean, I've I've talked a lot about this on our show, but really it started with season 18, Juan Pablo Galavis, the first villain bachelor. It's kind of gone downhill since then. And instead of putting the leads and the the people who even make it to the final rounds of the game, instead of putting them on pedestals like they used to and presenting them as heroes that we, the audience, can aspire to be or identify with, they're now all villains. We don't want to be yeah. any of them. And the sport of the game for us, the fourth audience, as presented by the producers, is to shit on these people. That's kind of what the show has become. So all that said, uh, we recently learned from your interview on She's All Batch that you were going to be the next Bachelorette. You were in contention. You had signed the contract. And then Charity Lawson, uh, or maybe you hadn't signed the contract. I said, I'm out here negotiating. I got, I got high standards. <laughs> As you should. There were also some other names uh, in contention that we can't go into probably. But the rumors behind the scenes were that Mike Fleiss, 
was still very much a, a force in that decision on who was going to be the next Bachelorette. And then when he got ousted, all of his kind of uh, momentum forever who for who he was going to select fell away and it became charity. Do you know, like when you're in that process, when they're giving you the contract, you're negotiating, do you have any idea what's going on behind the scenes? Did they tell you anything or are you just watching when charity gets announced on TV? Is that how you find out? So... I definitely, I, to be completely honest, I have no idea how serious they were about the conversation that they had with me. And I'm like, my theory is like every year, like five people are probably in the talks of have like being the lead or whatever. And I really, really, really was like apprehensive to have a conversation and move forward. And like, I even went and talked to Clayton before I even like went out there to talk with anybody. Like I was just very much like, I want to, and I, it was more so like, I'm not, I wouldn't do this if this would be painful. And I also would like, I want your advice kind of a thing. Um, Did he say that you should do it or not? (laughs) Yeah. Clayton was very supportive. Like, I think he, Mm recognizes like the wonderful opportunity it is. And I think he recognizes um, you have the potential to meet 30 possibly incredible men. And we both want to see each other find love um, eventually. Obviously, it'll probably sting. Like whenever one of us gets in that first relationship, it'll probably be like, oh, damn, like it's happening, you know, like, It'll probably hurt a little, but I think at the end of the day, we both are rooting for each other so hard. And Clayton was 1000% supportive. And I think he appreciated the fact that I even called him and was like, Hey, like, I just would want to even touch base with you before, um, this even becomes a conversation. Um, but no, there's, I mean, I don't think anybody really has any clue what's happening. If I'm being honest, I think I was told before mm-hmm. it aired that it wouldn't be me, but just a l- little phone call from a friend five minutes before it airs. <laughs> they filmed that in a different warehouse. <laughs> you also said during that incredible interview, everyone should go listen to it on She's All Batch. You said that social media is a tool you think can be used for good or evil. How do you think? the show is using it? Do you think they understand it? Do you think it's important for modern reality TV at all? Yeah, I think, I think they should hire me. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I actually thought about offering, um, actually, I think I might've even said it when I was, when they called me and I was like, if you guys like not bachelorette come on this season and like make amazing content for you, I'd be open to it because that's way more my thing anyways than dating 30 guys, yeah. but um, way more career oriented. You make the behind the scenes content, you date the scraps, you know, it's perfect. <laughs> date the scraps? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's an It's Always Sunny reference. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I feel like I'd find my man as like a night one elimination, like. You know, Roby. Yes. Let's yeah, Roby Sobieski. I was oh. like, I would. Roby would have been there till the end. Like that little cutie. I'd be like, bring me some flowers. You love a magician. <laughs> yeah. Magicians reach out. Yeah. No, there was so many. I, I feel like I. I would never. That's the thing, though. I don't think I'd be a good bachelorette. I would go for like. Well, no, maybe that would be a good bachelorette. I would go for the people that 
most people would have no interest. Like I'd probably get all the night one eliminations and be like, you're my people. You're probably the only nice people here. And like, you will love me forever. So let's get married. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This sounds like the dream. I don't know. I think we should make it happen. You know, they've done like little bit parts, you know, they had Demi Burnett come in as a private investigator. I know. Why not a social media person? And then oh, I love it. Well, I mean, you this as the face idea. of Bachelor social media, like official Bachelor social media is right? insane. Like they're crazy not to do it, in my opinion. Yes, just I agree. You know, from from our take is like we we follow their social media very closely. They've done one or two posts that I was like, that's interesting. All the rest of the time, it's terrible, in my opinion. I don't think that... Um, I liked Clayton dancing with Shrek. Why'd they do that to him? Honestly. <laughs> but it was great. Like, it was funny, and it showed that he had a good sense of humor and stuff. I love that. I post. don't know. But I just feel like they, they don't get it. They don't understand how uh, integral it seems like social media is to reality television. And it almost seems like the show takes a very hard oh, yeah. stance against social media, using it to, like, vilify people. And so, like, this past season they had a couple of people on there uh victoria jameson and christina mandrell who had huge social media followings and they immediately either made them villains or just like disappeared them from the show and it's like why even have them in it and anastasia was a villain for saying she would get you could get 50k on the show i honestly find that whole concept and like theory of vilifying people for um social media and all that stuff i find it so bizarre because i mean this is going to sound so mean, and so harsh, but I'm like anybody that comes after people that go on reality television and then utilize the network they've been given, whether it's collaborating with other social, other Bachelor Nation people, um, you know, leaning into their social media to uh, create a business or whatever. Um, like personally, like you can call me an oppor- opportunist or whatever you want to, but I'm like, all of y'all that are out here talking shit are probably stuck at the same level of your stupid job. And you're just mad that there's people like taking opportunities and making the best of it. Because like, why is it so wrong for me to do a video with somebody from a different season? Like, why is it so like, I just, to me, I do not understand it. And I'm like, those people are just mad and bitter because honestly, like, there's so many wonderful people on my network and I would be a fool to let that narrative stop me from allowing my video business to thrive. Like, why would I not? I will never understand that mentality and making the best content in the nation. It's like the, the producers, your friends are the ones who promote that idea through the show. So everybody who's watching the bachelor is at home and they're saying, if you say the word Instagram, you're a villain. If you have Instagram followers, you're a villain. So that message gets broadcast through the show itself. Then the fans return that message back to all of the uh, players who have social media platforms. And it's just insane because if you're going on any reality TV show, Bachelor or otherwise, that's part of why you're doing it. A hundred percent. That's part of why you're doing it. You know, and that's not bad. It's a job. If somebody says that they go on The Bachelor only to find love, I'm like, get out of here and go on Bubble. Honestly, go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but like you're a liar if that's the case. And that's not to say that I didn't go on the show with full intentions of like, I think there's like, and it's so funny because I actually ended up at the very end and like 
with Clayton for nine months or whatever. But I'm like, if there's anybody that could fall in love on TV, my friends were like, Susie, it's you. You're crazy. You've done a thousand things. You really <laughs> are a videographer. You document your life. You've, you're literally the biggest adventurous. You're open-minded. You're open to every experience that presents itself to you. You would be the perfect person to go on reality TV and actually find love. And like, I was like, you know what? You're right. And I'm not afraid of it. Like I remember having that mentality, but I think people that are going to come on and be like, I am only here because I just can't find love in my small town. I'm like, well, then move to New York or move to Atlanta because there's a thousand people in this world and you don't know this man for shit. Like, I'm sorry. I just call BS on all that. And I don't know. That's my mentality. If what? I'm going to get canceled out of this interview. People are going to be bad. But I just think no. it's ridiculous. I'm like, people yeah. get so up in arms about this stuff. And I'm like, we're all human beings and you're a fool to not take advantage of the wonderful, beautiful opportunities that come from like meeting all these amazing people from the show, including the producers and the friends. And like, there's so many, there are good people that come from this, regardless of my experience, good and bad. Like there's wonderful things that have come from this. And I will just, if anyone's going to judge me for taking advantage of it, then I will judge them right back. Well, I, I mean, it couldn't be better said. I think that is a fantastic way to wrap up this uh, interview. Susie, thank you so much for joining us. You guys are like, get her out of here. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's part you're you're 100% right. We agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I that's one of our, our kind of biggest complaints about, especially the Bachelor franchise is like how much it does shit on people for using social media when it's like, you should be encouraging it. You should be holding up all of your your players and the people who have come through your show and helping them build their social media followings because that encourages fans to keep watching the show and keep engaging with their favorite people when the show's not on the air. I just will never understand why The Bachelor doesn't like it. But I love it. Absolutely. If The, if the Bachelor wants to make a star out of all their next contestants. And get better people on the show. Wait, I do have one last question. Well... Would you go on Bachelor in Paradise or Love is Blind? Or Perfect Match. Or Zero? I think um, Love is Blind would have probably been a great avenue for me because I think I like the concept of it. And Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that's cool, loving somebody for who they are. And I, I like that. I mean, they're all Netflix shows. Like I probably could never do them, but, um, perfect match. I did. I actually did watch that. I don't watch a lot of reality, but like, that was so fun. It was such a good show. (laughs) Um, Nick from that show. And it it was interesting because he's like, it's tricky because it's pretty manipulative in the sense that like, yeah, you want to meet somebody, but also you want to stay on the show. And he's like, you don't really know people's true intentions. And, like I can see how similar to being on The Bachelor, that's like a big mental thing where you're like, oh, I don't know what's real and what's mm-hmm. not. And so I don't. I, I mean, I would do a lot of things. I'm like open minded. Um, I don't think I'll do Paradise. I I said no. I'm gonna focus on my career this summer. I'm doing a couple weddings in June and just focusing my energy in that direction. I just don't think it's really aligned for me. But. Um, I don't know. Maybe you never know, but not this year. I just- but we got the Susie <laughs> show on your social media. Where can people find your amazing content? Um, you can find me on TikTok. Susie was like, 
on Instagram, Susie C. Evans. On YouTube, Susie was like, and my blog, Susie was like.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Susie, so much for joining us and having this conversation. You're one of our favorite players of all time. And uh, we hope we get to see you on something soon. If not all of your social media, maybe somewhere back in a reality TV capacity. If y'all have any ideas, let me know. You know, I'd love (laughs) for it not to be about my dating life, but like I'm down. I'm like, I'm down for an adventure, but I just don't know which one. But thank you guys for having me. I had so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We were so excited to have you. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then.